0: Put him on the game grid. In honor of Free Guy, what's cinema's most successful video game setting?
1: Uh, I'm Katie Richard. I'm going with Slaughter Race in Ralph Breaks the Internet, setting of one of the best Disney musical songs of the last any time, which is uh, uh, Slaughter Race. I can't remember what the song is called. Slaughter Race. You know it.
2: <laughs> I'm Matt Patches, and hey, kiddo, lost track of time? My favorite quote from Pixels, the movie where q on the floor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, it's me, David the Seven, and I'm going to lean into 1984 and say the reality of the last Starfighter, where the video game was a training situation. Simulation. And a situation. And a situation. It was a big situation (laughs) for the galaxy.
3: Uh, And I am David O'Rellick, and of course, I I actually can't believe no one else picked this by now, I have to go with (laughs) fear.com.
2: That's not a video game, that's (laughs) on the website.
3: <laughs> oh, but it wasn't like a website game where if you die, I believe oh, the quote was, if you die in the game, you die in real life, it's which weird. is why that movie I've never seen has stuck with me. I all thought these you were going
2: to choose uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. <laughs> nope, nope,
1: No, we, not not not, we, we are not talking right about now. it this week. Uh, oh, truly, wow. Wait, wait, wait. This is just the mini. This is just the light What?
3: Am I not allowed to finish my thought on fear.com? Finish your thought on
1: fear.com.
3: How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Fear dot com.
1: Oh no, oh no.
3: There's a movie called Fear.com. Spell that with the DOT. Mm. And truly the bottom of the barrel of like early aughts direct to September or like late August uh horror junk where teens get murdered by the internet. Seek it out if you haven't, if you can find it. But beware that if you die in the game you will die in real life gentlemen you can't fight in here this is the war room fine i can hear you now dimitri clear and plain and coming through fine
0: i'm coming through fine
1: too eh good then well then as you say we're both coming through fine
3: good
2: well
1: it's good that you're fine then and, and
0: i'm fine i agree with you it's great to be fine
3: uh, it's, it's a podcast
1: Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 360. It's pandemic 73. It is the week of Wednesday, August 11th. That's the day that 1929 Babe Ruth became the first professional baseball player to hit 500 home runs in a single season, I guess. No, no. What was no, the thing no. that they were in the race for? It was the 100 home runs with Barry Bonds and uh, Mark McGuire?
3: It was Sammy Sosa myself? and Mark McGuire.
1: No. Was it Sammy, Sammy Sosa and Mark I mean, are you
3: talking time? about the the race to the home run record in a single season? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was Sammy it, Sosa and Mark War. What,
1: what did Barry Bonds do?
3: Barry Bonds, it, I believe, existed. had the No, he had I mean he also had a home run record of some kind.
1: Alright, alright. I'm remember. not I'm not so far off. They, they,
3: they, it may have been his record that they were trying to beat, or maybe he came along later and smashed their record.
1: That feels like maybe what happened. Yeah. Um I could just uh talk out my ass about baseball for a while as a boring alternative if you don't leave us reviews, but I hear. We have reviews, actually.
3: I'm now picturing you Ace Ventura style. <laughs> 100% what I thought. <laughs> um, it's I <laughs> uh, that's,
2: time that's for Katie Jabunt.
1: Somebody
3: stop her. That's
1: for the Patreon, whenever we do one of those. She's oh assing second
0: and <laughs> rounding third.
3: I, Katie, if you put that in the Patreon, I might be able to afford a second child. We'll see. It's all riding on you. Uh We do have reviews. We have three reviews because apparently talking about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes is a threat unlike anything else that we can muster. (laughs) Uh, It's effective in in turning all the people out of the yard, such as Turnt Pappy, who says, I'm guessing facetiously with this headline here, is David the greatest critic of all time? There are three question marks. So usually whenever there's a question mark in a headline, the answer to an article is always no. It's a good tip for when you're reading around the Internet. Listen. The podcast is wonderful, platinum-plated, as far as I'm concerned. Each of you play a vital role, and balance is what makes fighting in the war room great. Is David the World's Greatest Critic? Question mark. I'm not qualified to say. But frankly, I want to ask Dave a question, or to get him to opine on this topic. Dave, the X-Men in the MCU, how mm-hmm. should they integrate the mutants into the MCU? Can they keep them in separate parts of the multiverse? What era of X-Men should they start with? The new X-Men with Krakoa? Mm. And most importantly, while the MCU is famously chaste, the X-Men universe is famously horny. I believe that love, sex, and romance are essential to the X-Men and their adventures. Will Marvel let the X-Men be horny? This is an love hour and a half this long answer required.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to do it really fast. Three. Lightning round.
2: Part
3: two.
0: Uh, yes, after Secret Wars, bring them in already existing because people will just see Cyclops and Wolverine. They'll know the characters. Jump right to Krakoa. Jump never right to do Krakoa. No, 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 no. Ne- never do Dark Phoenix again. You can't do the Krakoa. previous. Yeah, no. The previous metaphor of what mutants are is played out and done and tainted by Brian Singer. Jump right to Krakoa. But you need make like, them power
2: history of mutants to have Krakoa. How can you have Krakoa unless they're already living there and we didn't know it?
0: Well, I All... said after Secret Wars. So after the multiverse collapse into the new thing, the mutants are just there in Krakoa.
1: What's what Secret Wars?
0: Oh, uh, don't worry about it, Katie. <laughs> I just have It'll three be on words Disney Plus soon
3: enough, probably. <laughs> Turn poppy, even though you did not ask me. Jubilee origin story
0: sure she makes fireworks silence. happen with her hands
3: no one Dead. has
1: answered whether Dead. they'll let uh superheroes have sex and as no. uh, i feel like we've been talking yeah, about a lot no. in our back channel conversations there's not enough sex in marvel movies and you know. we talk
3: in the uh yeah in the in like their signal conversations that we had from the government about superheroes No, in, in sex the g chat
1: that we invited you two years ago you know. yeah
3: that we've
2: been yeah in for i know years, years.
3: i'm trying to play it up for the for the <laughs> uh anyway we never even got our gambit movie so my dreams of a jubilee movie where she's trying to stop crime by shooting fireworks out of her fingers is uh probably probably not happening <laughs> soon. anyway now
2: maybe they maybe
3: marvel can get mm. on tiktok sebastian merriweather says great podcast i enjoy this podcast i don't play any mobile or video games therefore i have <laughs> no idea what star wars galaxy force galaxy of heroes sir is but it doesn't sound fun it isn't my only point of reference for games at all is the Star Wars pod racing game. Now, that was fun. Oh, and they say, which was fun. Correct. Just like this podcast. Hey, Katie, Matt, Dave, and David offer an interesting and critical look at the movies. Good sound quality. Never gotten that review before. And great chemistry. <laughs> the only complaint is for the Apple podcast app. This feed only goes back to 2018. I have no way of accessing their opinions, Nocturnal Animals, and The Snowman. Oh, they would God. all have a lot to say on both those cinematic experiences. Sure, we did. Well, although I think I've if never If you go seen to, again, in the to
2: com, you could find those episodes, right?
0: You could hey, definitely hey. do that. Let me look at this podcast app thing and see if Here's I how we run tech support mix. on the
2: podcast. You leave review, we <laughs> get confused. What's what's we check Apple Podcasts <laughs> to see if that is true.
0: All right, here we go. <laughs> if you search for not Fighting in the War on oh, Apple right. Podcasts, but Fitware Volume 1 and Volume 2, those have our older episodes uh, in different feats.
3: Bada bing. What was that
0: again? Fitware Volume One and Fitware Volume Two. That's We're not. living in the third volume. Directed here. by
3: James Gunn. Yeah. High cool. customer
1: service, right there.
3: <laughs> Finally, Mark N N N N five Ns for anyone who wants to look this person up says one of my favorite podcasts. Sometimes it feels like I'm too much of this podcast target audience. I'm in my mid 30s. Grew up with a love for movies. I have a young daughter, and I watched entirely too much American Gladiators, MST3K, in early 2000s. Is this the me? Videos on pluto.tv <laughs> during quarantine but mark and pluto.tv
1: what did, did you see get fear.com
3: in theaters <laughs> if not step off. my up. favorite streaming service st- fear.com <laughs> um, hold on i'm sorry to, there's more to this review but i very quickly need to go to fear.com is it fear.com.com i suppose that's a good I question let's see oh if account suspended wow too many people Ooh. died
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> uh, someone out there please buy fear.com.com uh when i started listening we're back to mark N, around the time of david's marvel movie marathon i liked all of the hosts except david he just seemed like a stereotypical film snob when talking about a movie there always seemed to be some foreign film He preferred because he did it better whatever it was <clears throat> four years earlier but as time went on and a few quarter quals later i began to appreciate what each host brings to the podcast even david I look forward to listening every week as I try to stay on top of new movies and shows while also still watching Paranorman or Captain Marvel for the 100th time with my daughter. Paranorman with your daughter. Pretty cool. P.S. I was able to listen to the infamous The Podcast is Cancelled episode when it was released. It was a confusing day, but patches in day seven should be given the reins more often. Is this review very helpful? It was very helpful. Uh, Wait, was Infamous? feels like so long ago now. Truly maybe longer ago than any other pandemic occurrence. But what was the name of the Al Capone movie? Was it Infamous? Cap- Wait. Was it Capone? The, was it just the Capone? The Josh Trank one? It was just called Capone. No, you're thinking of Infamous. Infamous the, uh, the Truman, Capote Truman Capote movie. Capone. Of course. Um, Capone, Capone, Capone. And that definitely
1: infamous. came out in like 2004. So like actually
3: a long time ago. <laughs> right, I, mean, I thought you were talking about Capone. Jones. Capone. Yeah. Um, yes. I, yeah, how can we forget Infamous and Superior Capote? Uh. Well... Thank you all for leaving a review. That's our show. Please go and fight in the war room. Just create this endless feedback loop. Really appreciate it. Otherwise, we'll be talking to you about the Bad Batch on Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Fighting in the War Room on iTunes. Thank you. Synergy.
1: Dave, you think they're going to start pushing movies back from release because the Delta variant patches? You don't. Wow. Do uh, it out. Yeah.
2: Wait a minute. Oh, so it's first patches. Seed, uh, yeah, we're not.
1: I, I I see this as a like a boxing match. Like I've stated both your positions. You've tapped gloves, and now you're going to go. He's
2: like, it's called fighting
0: in the war room. Fight for me. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think things might start pushing back in the hope that this uh, potential curve that we're on will at least go down to where we were at the end of last summer. I think if we can get to that, then a lot of like the fall movies and the winter movies can still come out, but the things that are you know uh, in September are on the bubble for me.
1: Uh, so you're thinking of Shang-Chi? What else? I'm mostly
0: thinking of Shang-Chi, just because Shang-Chi. as as Marvel goes, uh, so goes our tentpole status for the future. I guess the next thing that has looked encouraging, at least, is uh, Warner Brothers and AMC caused an, called an end to their feud and has settled on a 45-day theatrical window, I believe That's it right. is, for uh, 2022. So uh, the theatrical experience is still like under threat, but the business side of it seems to have written some, reached some sort of detente, which hopefully means we might be able to get some sort of actual statistics on box office rather than just trying to judge right now in the middle of the pandemic with movies that are also on day and day release. But I don't think any film is going to want to be that sacrificial lamb, so it's going to come up against what needs to absolutely be released and what can be pushed back, just to see if there is a future where box office predictions can be accurate again, and some of these movies can make the baseline for their marketing and distribution back. Well,
3: Um, you already have a few smaller films that are acting like sacrificial lambs, even if they aren't particularly upfront about it. Something that A24 has done with Zola and The Green Knight, have been very cagey about uh, the VOD dates that they have in their back pockets. And they release these movies as only in theaters, but then um, rather than waiting three months, uh, they might three weeks later surprise drop a movie right. on VOD, Zola and so not do, already, no,
2: and suddenly you can rent it.
3: Right, well, it's already it's already been sort of a case sample, and you can see how a movie. I mean, I think you know, based at least on my expectations, which are by no means scientific, The Green Knight kind of. Well, overperformed initially and then sort of balanced out. But um, given the state of the pandemic and how everything else is doing, yeah, it seems not, like
2: Green Knight might be one of the most profitable or successful in quotes movies of the summer. Just but like,
0: it will be profitable, I would
3: imagine. I mean, I'm not looking at a 20 books here, but like my guess is that it will hit its budget or more in theaters alone, and then when it goes to VOD for a premium, yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna turn but a big compared profit. To something so. like
2: Suicide Squad, which apparently cost like 150. 200 million dollars right. and it's never and, yeah, ever going to make both, that like every movie will be a both disaster both of
3: those sort. movies have right and both those movies have uh marketing costs involved but obviously the green knights are not quite as large as those yeah. for the suicide squad um i think a movie you know yeah the accountant counting is all screwy this year i you know pour one out for the people who are going to have to take stock of dune um uh, and be the decision as to whether or not there's going to be a sequel and they're going to finish adapting that first book but it is good news. Probably really not. Crazy. We're going to get better. <laughs>
0: yeah, it uh, seems unlikely that's possible now. Uh,
3: but Dave, I, are you going to go see uh, Shang-Chi in theaters?
0: I mean, I really don't but, want to be forced into that position.
2: But let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The question on the table was, are these movies going to shift? And I think the, the bigger question that that's indicative of is, like, are we in a problem situation? Or what, what do movies need to accomplish now? Um, Dave, you, we were talking before the podcast about, like, can, can movie studios put out movies knowing that they will fail? And I feel like they're at a certain point where they, they have to. Like, they have to clear the slate. Uh, Sony is the only studio where I, it seems like they're ready to just keep bumping um, and whatever tech money they, they sit but on. clearing is gonna... the slate was
3: exactly the Black Widow problem, right? It's like that's what Scarlett Johansson was accusing them of doing. Because right. they had to get Black Widow out in order to prop up their forthcoming Disney Plus shows.
0: And if there's going to be a point where we're litigious about it, I mean, like... I believe we're at that point. I mean, I guess if we're going to be... there's, If you were to, you know, pull the trigger on something... Like, take something like Free Guy or Candyman, which are going to be coming out, you know, in the next couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, Free Guy will come Who's... out a
2: Disney movie, but a, a Fox holdover, which will come out only in theaters. No, no VOD. Yeah.
0: I guess Free, Free Guy is also a weird case because it is a holdover. But, like, take something like Candyman... Who's to say that there isn't a case that the creators think they could have made more money if they would have pushed it back? So in 2022, we see like a Candyman lawsuit. It's like the reverse of the Johansson thing, where it's like, well, you cheated us out of money because you forced it into theaters at a time period where if you looked at all like the medical data, no one was going to show up to theaters. I guess. guess... Like, I'm not saying that the the rise in the Delta variant is necessarily 100% connected it is for me and for personal things but even for future business things moving forward they're gonna be intertwined because it's a good reason for somebody to argue they could have made more money i think this
2: is where i'm i'm dubious or just like where it's really hard these days to get a sense of what the world is like especially if you're extremely online like we are and plugged in i feel like the discourse that's happening now and just like will movies shift or are people worried about going to the movie theaters is not like a reality of, of the world. Uh, your comparison to last year seems a little off because millions of people are vaccinated and millions of people are doing this the right way. And while cases are, cases are going up, I have to assume that's, not, that's because people are going out and living their lives, right? So like mo- pe- pe- people would go to the movie theaters. People would see movies right now because they, are ever, the vaccinated people are living their lives, and the unvaccinated people are living their lives without worry. Um,
1: but what does that say about Suicide Squad,
2: though? Su- I mean, we'll get to Suicide Squad, maybe, uh, if we want to. Or we can have this conversation now, or wait until we talk about the movie. No, but just- here's the big thing about Suicide Squad. It was free on HBO Max. I can't get. <laughs> I can't say this enough. You could watch it for free at home. So why would you ever go to the movie theaters?
3: You could also watch it for free, not at home, which is something that I re- was reminded of every time I took my phone out at the gym. And yes, humble brag, Oh, I, I thought went you were going to be like time. every
2: time I was on the shitter, I was just watching Suicide Squad. You're
0: watching Suicide Squad. I hope no, you're I, on I, the I only shitter watch
3: the older Suicide Squad on the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, I mean honestly, that's I've a great point. I've watched the Brando's like, in literally every room I've been in for I the past just, week. <laughs>
0: so.
2: I, it's so strange to be having this conversation after the release, after the failure, the, the, the financial failure of Suicide Squad, because it is not a test case. I mean, I'm very interested to see how Free Guy and Candyman do later this month because they are not free to watch on a streaming platform. You will have to go to see them in theaters. And while we're talking about, like, it's been interesting to see a lot of uh, case information kind of floating around social media because it's people are like, there's been 100,000 cases reported. And then you look at the, like, percentage of the American population, it's like. Absolutely no, none, you know, like there's 99.9%
1: breakthrough, breakthrough cases. Yeah,
2: breakthrough cases. It's just like, and, and hospitalizations way down at death, obviously way down. It's just, I I think we're all worried about Delta variants, but I'm not sure the reality of like the entire world will shift again the way it did in March of 2020 will happen because people have now made their choice and both of those lanes are going back to normal life.
1: And Katie, movies are safer than something like Jazz Fest that, like, you know, they canceled that <laughs> this week and they canceled BravoCon. Uh, my condolences oh, to uh, David on the cast of Below Deck. Um, no, but, like, no, those, those big are conventions...
2: Outside, so. Are they? Well, BravoCon. No, <laughs> yeah. BravoCon. BravoCon Bravo is, is on a giant yacht, I assume, right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um But, yeah, movies are still safer than that. Like, I went to see The Green Knight and, you know, it was in my city where I know the vaccination rates and people were quiet. Like, there's... They do have the option to, I think provide a way to get out of your house if you feel okay enough vaccinated. And so they still
3: I, are uh, they're not selling Katie, your local theater. They're not selling every seat, right?
1: Uh they were. I don't know. Oh, if they most were.
2: places are.
3: I now. mean, new, yeah, most yeah. places are.
1: Is New York not?
3: I do I think not New York
2: know. is, but they might be adjusting. I think New York is full capacity, but now you have to wear you'll have to wear a mask and you'll have to be yeah we just
0: re- we just return. Uh,
3: i mean i do think that increasingly you know this conversation is going to feel obsolete because we are moving to a place business by business where yeah. you will be yeah. required to be vaccinated to participate in public life which is as it should be uh you have to be vaccinated for so many other things already to be a part of public life so why not have like, one more
1: in school
3: boy uh so yeah i mean i think people are afraid even though they may not you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to shame anyone to be into being less afraid. I have no interest in doing that. Yeah, that's I not think my the fear is, approach. The fear either. is a little bit overblown. I'm not accusing you. I think the fear is a little bit overblown just by the data, but I totally understand where it's coming from, and I say that especially as someone with a young child who cannot be vaccinated even though also if you left it up to me in my layman's idiot brain i would be like just vaccinate literally every child no matter how old they are what's the worst that's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> um, but david uh,
1: ehrlich doctor I, says just yeah, do it. i have a weird
3: like galaxy brain
2: take about movie theaters right now and i'm david i'm especially curious about your. you're on the wrong podcast yeah, uh, right uh, the galaxy brain podcast subscribe on apple podcast uh, anywhere, anywhere uh, anyway um so i've been thinking it like Oh, Suicide Squad bombs in theaters. Like, this movie cost $150, $200 million, needed to make a gargantuan amount of money. It was never going to do that, especially given away for free on HBO Max. But even, like, these these future movies. Very curious how Bond will do later this year. Dune seems destined for this same kind of failure. Uh, will Eternals and Shang-Chi be able to recoup? Uh, who knows? But it does make me... You know, like, the Green Knight's success makes me wonder if this whole predicament will force movies to scale down and the theatrical experience will survive as this kind of, like, uh, boutique thing in a good way, in a way that we've maybe hoped that, like, the, the, the conversation right now is, like, what movie will get you out of your house and go see it in a theater? And it seems like, unless it is the biggest Avengers Endgame tentpole thing, most people will not show up. There's no reason to see a Suicide Squad in theaters i'll be curious if well, there's a reason but... to see shang chi in theaters but actually green Knight is the kind of hype movie for a very select audience that people will go to the theater no so, matter the circumstances I mean, that... to see so maybe there is now I a just... middle ground that people like a modest budgeted film that will get people i just want to the
3: say theater. that 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 scenario is upsetting for people who don't live in new york and la and some of the other major yeah, cities yeah. because those boutique experiences are not going to exist there but
0: yeah, no, I mean it's and then the it's just interesting because it's a the thing of scale. Like if there were as many people who were into Green Knight as, you know, Black Widow or Suicide Squad expected there to be into Black Widow and Suicide Squad, then these things would scale. But the only successes we've seen are in these independents that are small enough. So patches I think if that, you know, wonderful window exists where we sort of shift the only way that's going to happen and the only way it's not going to create a film desert like david's talking about is if the tent poles push hmm. like the tent poles have to push back cuz those are the ones that can afford to do it and those are the ones that the math's not making sense there's not a tent pole success no matter how many times no. people i just i don't like, think it leads a desert though I, miss- I mean
2: i think i think movie theaters could operate at a more functional level too and ho- and play host to a green Knight or a Zola or something and and start programming for movies that select audiences will come and see and everything, the economy of it all will have to shift dramatically. But that involves people taking different pay cuts at the top and different, like the whole economy of movies may have to change, but Mm -hmm. this might be a
3: net positive. Mm -hmm. I I don't think people in the middle of the country
2: will have barren multiplexes. I think they'll have different types of movies to see and fewer people will go see them.
3: Just to wrap up this segment and move on, uh, to go back to the original question, I do not believe that shang Chi will be delayed, uh, but we'll see. I can wrong Katie, once or twice word. before. But,
1: yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I think it's not going to be delayed. I think the Bond movie is going to come out.
2: The Bond movie feels like it has to come out. I feel like there's 18 Heineken deals or something that it requires. The Bond
1: movie feels like it already. Came out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no and I, I i think they might be aware of that that like they just cannot like hype this movie to this extent and not just release it.
2: I know we're about to get like the fifth final trailer for No Time to Die uh, in oh the next month or two. It should be interesting.
0: Patches, make your call.
2: I'm saying n- no movie will shift and many will bomb.
0: I I'm going to just just to add some spice. I'm going to say yeah, they're going to they're going to bump Chung Chi there's this I can't think of a studio besides Warner Brothers because they already did it. It's going to put one of their tent poles on the chopping block uh, to,
2: yeah the real final word here is if you haven't get vaccinated. if you haven't, wear a mask indoors places, and if you haven't, tell people who aren't vaccinated that everybody in the hospital right now is unvaccinated and they should probably get vaccinated. <laughs>
0: Katie, you watched the Olympics. <laughs> you yeah. were the person. You were the one person that watched the Olympics, according to the ratings. Are they as, over? You know.
1: Yeah, they ended uh, yesterday. Is
3: there,
0: a, is there a closing ceremony? Do they put there out the torch? There is a
1: closing ceremony. No, they put, no, out the they torch, put they torch, all of the handover. Olympians
3: in the Thunderdome, and <laughs> yeah. one and one survived. Simone
1: Biles emerged. Um, yeah, they handed the torch over to Paris, which is where uh, the twenty. Oh, my God, there's an Olympics next year. Olympics. Oh no! Well, yeah, no, So the Paris is where the next summer Olympics are going to be, but the next year, like they're literally Olymp- winter Olympics next year, like in six months in Beijing.
2: That's going to be great. Which is great. Winter is so much better uh, than summer. Can we all
1: agree I,
3: on I that? the winter? What? The winter Olympics are so much better than the summer Olympics, and not just because they have hockey. The world. I just think the
2: outfits are better. Uh-huh. You can wear more clothes and be slightly more fashionable. And but guys, if you had watched
1: this year's Olympics, you would have seen that there were events for skateboarding and BMX. The skateboarding bikes event and was surfing. terrible. Is
3: this X Games. B- Day one skateboarding event, Katie. Did you watch like the were the ones that the children? I just watched,
1: won? Yeah. Well, no. I I saw the picture of the ones with the children. And then I watched them with like older women. Somehow, I don't know. The
3: don't one know where they, they do like one trick on a rail.
1: Oh no, I didn't end. watch that. I watched them like oh, freestyle, where they do like two minutes of like bopping around a skate park. It was great.
3: That's one thing, but like
1: I watched some gymnastics. Yeah. What? I watched so what were diving. the highlights of
2: the Olympics? Because none of this made my. Like, the only Ooh, thing that I really know, said um, it for I me was the whole Simone Biles. I got, watched I watched you know, a bunch. Drama.
1: I don't think you watch it for the big ticket stories. I mean, yeah, like, I think we, like, had a real lack of, like, American stars. Swimming kind of sucks because it's really repetitive and you just watch. Like, Katie Ledecky wins a gold medal and you're like, okay, I just watched someone swim across the but pool. But the
3: wait, how, New York is Times that the, uh, Twitter animations is that what you're saying? were...
1: Yes, yeah, Elizabeth Tabicki won like a bunch of gold medals. <laughs> um, the track and field events were really great. Like, they're you know, especially no, like, I'm the, sorry, the, the I cannot real- abide hey, patches David, making on. a bad.
3: No, I can't. I can't let this happen. Oh Katie. Let everyone Katie um, be- speak. I cannot abide Paige patches making a bad tall girl joke over me pointing out the hardworking <laughs> software developers at the New York Times who made these adorable, eventually running but initially swimming animations for every race you could see on Twitter a little stick Katie Ledecky destroying everyone else. It was wonderful and a highlight of these Olympic games.
1: I think the Peacock and NBC Sports app programming was designed in a way that made it really difficult to find anything specific you were looking for, but I turned it on many nights where I was like, NBC Live coverage, what are you going to show me? And they would show you God knows what. Uh, one night I tuned in just in time to watch uh, Japan defeat China in mixed doubles ping pong, uh, and it wow. was this huge upset, and they were freaking out, and it was really exciting. Um then just, yeah, stuff like that. I like, I watched beach volleyball for a while. They're fun to watch. You get this like smorgasbord of sports that you'll never think about again for four more years. Uh, you get invested in it. You get to see gifts of synchronized swimming on Twitter, which I never managed to catch live, but like, man, those were fun to watch. It's just, as someone who I think I might suffer from this more than you guys, I kind of feel like I'm constantly under the weight of things I need to watch and I have to watch and like, Anytime I have a free moment, I'm like, okay, I got to catch up on something. And when the Olympics are on, I give myself permission to be like, I'm going to let an hour go by, and I'm going to do nothing but just watch whatever NBC serves me. And it felt great.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I, I turned the Olympics on once on Pluto, and the Americans were <laughs>
3: running the Eliminator. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you, the my, my I watched a lot of Olympics. and How do you have time? I, I, you some, watch a I don't know. I, yeah, David,
1: David, I don't know how you have time for that. Like, I know how I, mean, I, I have time for it. I
3: watch the Olympics like I watch most television, which is extremely passively. But yeah. uh, I, you know, was able, I have the TV on most hours of the day and was do able to do really? certain things. And certain stories, yeah, I mean, not when I'm working because I need like absolute silence, but other times, sure. Um, and uh, a lot of stories were able to poke through, not all of them directly through to me uh, from my TV and some came in online. But there was my very favorite story of these Olympics, bar none, was the amateur cyclist who won the race against all the heavily favored professionals because they were all just biding their time trying to pace themselves in a pack and she just said fuck it and took off and they forgot about her uh they thought that they thought that they were in first place uh when wow. in fact there was a woman who was like nine minutes ahead of them this is like the um, opposite and- of
2: the turtle in the hair or something. Uh-huh. And because
3: they uh because they don't have earpieces during Olympic races as opposed to the professional races, they didn't have communications from their teams telling them that this one person they forgot about was ahead of them. So the woman won and was celebrating and they came over and they are like, Congratulations on your silver medal. And she was like, What the fuck did you just say? Oh my god. Uh incredible. Great story. Uh on a happier note, really loved, of course, those two high jumpers who decided to share the medal, those longtime mm-hmm. friends, rather than that continue role. going. That was so great. Um, but I think the real takeaway for me, uh, other than uh, the table tennis is always a highlight. Um, was uh, and Suni Lee winning was great. Um, was the commercial for the Paralympic swimmer who was adopted from Russia when she was born with no legs, and it made me oh, cry yeah. literally no, every time. Great. Somehow got more, more like <laughs> I cried more every time that I saw it. Yeah, um, my commercial. God. Every time. And, of course, the Dune spots, where it's just like, <laughs> you, know, you know Javelin? How about Dune? I dreamed of Wait, a girl really? in Arrakis. <laughs> oh, yes. man, they're go- They're trying cut everything them in. for this one. <laughs> they're like, yep. They weren't in official commercial breaks. It was like, hey, you see that discus? How about the spice? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> you
2: know, <laughs> okay. they're trying so hard to not make this weird. It's so, it makes me so mad. Dave, did you watch any Olympics?
0: I did not, no.
2: Well, fuck off.
0: Well, in Oops, six months, we'll sorry. be uh, yelling
1: at you, but bobsled, so get ready.
0: Yeah, hey, Winter Olympics, I could do. I like cool runnings like, like everybody else. Bring on the hats.
2: I miss my mom, I miss my dad.
1: my week to choose what we watched and uh <laughs> somehow we wound up watching the suicide squad which is not uh my choice well you said you loved
2: like... uh the original 2016 suicide squad you've been championing the air cut of <laughs> suicide squad on twitter every year and now you're want to feeling very
1: movie. disenfranchised i've never seen the original suicide squad the original came out uh when i was on maternity leave and i very gleefully never saw it and didn't think about it I don't really know anything about it, which is uh, apparently didn't matter and did not seem to matter to me at all. I knew enough to know who Harley Quinn was to know that Viola Davis is playing Amanda Waller, who's in charge of something. Task
2: Force X,
1: and Jared Leto's in this one, but I don't know why. Uh, and that's about it. But then there is—I don't know—they just go on a mission to an island and like fuck shit up. I don't know. It felt like I did not need to see the original Suicide Squad at all. I'm trying that, to right?
2: think. Dave, was there a that single reference to the original movie? They, I feel like they even had an opportunity with Idris Elba's character, Bloodsport, to be like, hey, didn't we have you in the last movie, Deadshot? No, I'm Bloodsport. I'm the other guy who shoots very accurately.
0: Well, I mean, they make that joke, but then they make it with Peacemaker. So they oh, right. get very close, right. but then uh, they don't. Uh, no, I don't think there's any direct uh, reference Boomerang Man is to in the, movie, the first...
2: uh played by everyone's favorite action star, Jai Courtney.
3: Um, <laughs> but i do think that's part of the gambit of the opening five minutes of this movie or 10 minutes however long it is where they where they kill off you know the faux suicide squad where it's essentially resetting the board and saying don't worry about that
2: although can i tell you do what they, is that a, i wish is all those guys lived because that was the funnier squad like they had a lot of kooky characters on the squad that dies within the first five minutes of this movie wow, I mean, the, we
3: stand, weasel and we always will
1: <laughs> the Pete Davidson fan has entered the chat.
2: Well, no, no, I'm not thinking of. Uh, oh God, what I'm thinking of TDK, the detachable kid played by mm-hmm. Nathan Fillion, whose arms just pop off and like kind that of was... poke bad guys. It was that was fun. I guess The that whole entire movie, opening that would be sequence
1: tough. is very funny, but I think it would get really exhausting over the entire thing. And I like the uh, I like the Rat Girl, and I like John Cena. Uh. Yeah, well, let let, let me ask you a question, Katie,
2: because I watched this movie at home on HBO Max because it was free. So why would I I. go to the movie theater? Um, Mm -hmm. And I saw it and I was like, holy shit, I can't believe we're making Katie watch this movie. (laughs) It is grotesque. (laughs) It is profane in ways I wasn't expecting uh, from from the humor, just like relishing in people exploding and the grisly violence of it all. And then for it to have this kind of, like, weird political backbone, which I hope we get a little into, where this movie, I guess, inches toward trying to mean something and do something and say something, Um, it's just so gross and awful, and I felt terrible that we made you watch it. Did you find redeeming qualities in this movie? Were you laughing along with James Gunn? As people exploded into bits of flesh and uh and starro the conqueror uh the most bizarre comic book entity, a space alien that looks like a starfish entered the entered the scene. What did you make of this? uh
1: no, the humor worked for me way more than I think you would expect, and I expected like the in the very beginning where uh, after this whole fake out and the uh a big pool of blood in the ocean spells out the opening credits, I laughed out loud, like just the audacity of it and like. There's a fun aspect to it that it's not trying to be like, we're very gritty and serious and this is how bloody we are. Like, it's silly. And that carries through. Like, I got kind of worn out by the end. Like, the whole thing with the giant starfish. Like, that starfish is really funny in the design of it. And I would love to hear from Dave about this kaiju. Because they say the word kaiju in the movie, which <laughs> made me very proud of you. Um, it feels It feels kind of like a lot and it's i watched it in like two segments and even then it happened but like the huge james gunn has a real skill with like balancing that gore and making it feel like being creative and not just trying to like gross people
0: out i mean i think it actually is creative <clears throat> like yeah. uh james gunn of trauma would have probably made a similar movie but it would have been like gross sexual violence jokes or like very slightly homophobic jokes. Yes, this movie
2: has definitely already been made by Troma. It's called Troma's War, streaming on Shudder. Lloyd Kaufman directed it and uh
0: Lloyd Kaufman who's in this movie. Who's
2: in this movie? And Toxy, I believe, makes an appearance in this movie.
0: Uh,
3: who but Does uh remind me who Lloyd Kaufman plays in the movie? Oh. Uh
0: he's in uh the bar that they go into that Pom Klemenoff, I believe, is also the dancer yes. at. Uh, oh, but I they just, like okay. They, like, push past him, and he turns and shows his face, and you're like, ah, if you know what you're looking for. Sure. Um, But, yeah, I really liked this movie because it knows what its lane is, and then just sort of powers through that lane as fast and as cleanly as possible. Uh, This is a James Gunn. I, I guess the biggest brain read I got out of it over the weekend was somebody was like, this is an expendable James Gunn in a time of his life where he's just been like fired from Disney and picked up by DC writing about expendable superheroes and therefore maybe being able to anchor them in something real. I don't know mm. if that works or if he's just learned how to write a big budget action screenplay and now has the chops to execute those screenplays because story-wise there's so many characters you really only get like three beats per character. And the movie even has, like, time jumping and rewinding and splitting the team. Everything to make sure each character gets its three beats. Maybe at the expense of the pacing of this two-hour-long movie that could have been a svelte 90 minutes and maybe just would have lost one or two touching moments. But I do like it for exactly what it is, which is, like, an embrace of these dumb heroes and then, like, an acknowledgement that if these heroes were in a world where they're going up against people like Superman and Shazam and Aquaman and the other sides of the DCEU, they'd be people who are very good at killing people. And that's, (laughs) I think, the thing that uh, the DCEU has over Marvel uh, and probably will unless Deadpool 3 is something that I don't think it will be, which is that these superheroes would be incredibly good at killing people. There's a scene in this movie where John Cena, Idris Elba, and Joel Kinnaman are all trapped. In uh, like the back of a truck, and they all decide to do like a touch of death at the same time, and they just kill the person across them with one blow, and it's extremely cool because that's like you don't want to see Superman punch somebody's head off, but you want to live in a world where there's an acknowledgement that he could just at any time. I mean, no, that's what we learned with Man of Steel. Uh, I don't
2: think he
3: punched anything. The scene, the the scene where he just twisted
2: it all the way around That is less cool. Uh,
3: I suppose this is a slight spoiler uh, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, but there's a scene uh, where they all go on a killing spree through a, uh, a oh. place in the I guess, I mean whatever whatever that country is called Corto Maltese, fictional country that they made up for the movie Corto-, Corto Maltese, or is that the one from No, you're right, F9? Corto Maltese, yeah, that's uh, that's and. They, uh, and then at the end, it's revealed they've just been killing the, the good guys sensibly who are staging this coup, <laughs> the rebels. And that scene is so funny. I mean, it's the beginning of the movie's, um, you know, rather, rather broad but, but, you know, not unappreciated commentary on American imperialism. But uh, it's so funny how yeah, their wanton violence is immediately turned against them. Even if you sort of sense what the punchline is going to be during that scene, it still, it still kills.
0: Yeah, mm. I think it's a smart movie filled with, like, two dozen magic tricks. Is it, like, a coherent, like, drama film? No, but I don't think any superhero, like, no, movie really no. is.
2: And, and I wasn't going in, but expect- I'm, like, pretty split on Suicide Squad, and I laughed a lot. Uh, the scene you were just describing is, is a riot. Um, a lot of the early stuff is, you know, the movie starts in almost the same way. As the twenty-six Suicide Squad, hey, let's just recruit everybody. Um, but the introductions don't have eighteen different name cards, and they it's, only occur it's once. It's very
3: succinct how they say, you know, I, I'll do anything to get out and of here. Really, and they really just like welcome to anything, and that's it. That's make, all you need.
2: They make Viola Davis as Amanda Waller even more brutal, and the, I mean the stuff that she does in this movie uh, is horrendous. It's uh, she murdered her entire
0: she murdered her entire team in the last one patches.
3: I guess that's true.
1: it's. It's crazy but it's that about, this is the way we've seen her and Idris Elba share a very intense scene together. I did not see that being how this turned out.
3: Yeah. But uh, Dave, maybe you can correct me because I haven't seen the original in a very, very long time since I saw it at the press screening. Dave's but, been watching uh, it like once a week for the last time. Mm-hmm. If memory serves, they even if she kills her entire team in the first movie, I don't remember them painting her as as much of a villainous no. character as she is here. No. It's unambiguous here doing that she's like, a bad guy, and that she's you know fighting the bad fight. Yeah, exactly.
0: But I mean, like in the source material, she's much more like this than she is like the first one. I think the first movie, along with a lot of studio meddling, uh, kept her a bit softer than where Amanda well, I Waller mean, should she, be. The first
2: movie, she's like the cartoon version of Amanda Waller or something. I mean, it's it's weird that this no movie idea gets- with a tone. It's weird that the Suicide Squad this movie is grittier and like harder to swallow than the first movie because the first movie's whole agenda was like the David Ayer brutal like we're a bunch of cops. Damn. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this movie is both much funnier and much darker. And but that that's the pacing stuff did throw me off. Uh, and I think a lot of it had to do with getting Harley Quinn in the movie, the Harley mm-hmm. Quinn storyline is really underbaked, and her motivation to, like, go off and uh, smooch a prince and shoot him up, and then, I, I don't know, I- she got lost in the movie for me, and we take this huge detour in the middle, I do like the scenes where they go to the bar and they're, like, palling around, there's a shot of Idris Elba and Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg, just, like, being buddies from the war, and, like, I loved it, um, but that... It's There's a lot of flab in the middle of this movie, which is unfortunate because by the time there's gags in the in the kind of final act where there's just big Starro fight, um, there's a scene where Idris blood Bloodsport is like falling down a building and it's almost like going level yeah. to level to level. And I just was like, this is cartoonery, but I'm not laughing. That's,
0: that's the Aristocats. Yeah. that's an Aristocats joke hilarious. and
2: shot I, uh... no but it's
0: fun to watch like, I don't think you need to
1: laugh it's just kind of satisfying to like watch them get away with I don't, but it's lunacy I
3: that that I'm not, laughed I'm not out not loud giggling. during that scene I don't know I, I, the, the visual of Idris Elba falling and falling and falling and falling and landing right on time where he needs to be I found very amusing but dare I say Patches to your point that Margot Robbie God love her her Harley Quinn has never really worked on screen as a character. I know there was a big to do about her around the Suicide Squad, the original Suicide Squad. No, the, it's cleaner. Uh, and Birds of Prey has its own merits. But I think that she as a character just it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. Katie, Dave, she worked for you on screen. Is Harley Quinn a character that can work at the emotional center of a movie like this?
1: This is the first time I'd ever seen her, which I uh, was surprised because I've like been aware of that character, obviously, but I didn't see Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey. And I just, I like the vibe of like, someone who is energetic and optimistic throughout an incredibly violent scene. It's like Ted Lasso like going to war. <laughs> um, I like that contrast. Like I don't know about it, like an emotional side. Like there's a kind of what feels like an emotional beat for her at the very end of the movie in the big action sequence. Like she has her like moment of realization that I like couldn't for the life of me figure out what she was supposed to be realizing in that moment. Um so maybe there's no like character there's no place for that character to go, but I like what she brings to the group dynamic.
0: But she's not yeah, really part I of think, the group enough, is she? I mean, she's a, she's a no. bad solo character, and here they let her solo off. Like And, like, Birds of Prey, again, fine. But she's, she has a team because Harlequin's a bad solo character. The psyche of the character means it works better bouncing off somebody. Be that yeah. Joker, be that Poison Ivy, be that a group of other people. Because the thing that you like about her is like the chaos and unpredictability, which is anathema to any sort of actual character development or growth. Mm-hmm. I think that's so what Although, you get is right. what you get is different out get different outfits, which e- is perversely definitely...
3: she yeah. Perversely, she gets to star in what to my mind is the best action sequence in the entire movie, which plays into that aesthetic and really has fun with it. Which um yeah. and yeah, the, the flower, scene of the escape the flower from, attack. from jail scene. Oh yeah. Um and that's a lot of fun, but it's completely divorced from her character, and the aesthetic of it is almost secondary. I mean, like it could be attached to anybody, um, but Margot Robbie does a great job, and you know the physicality of it. Uh, but yeah,
2: she just she seems a great it's like she's cosplaying as Harley Quinn instead of performing it, and it's partially the material's fault. Like I just don't think they figure out how to use her effectively. She's not part of the group for so long, and it's really Idris Elba. And this woman who plays Ratcatcher, uh, whose name. Ratcatcher 2. Ratcatcher 2. I'm sorry, Tyler. <laughs> <you. laughs> Taika Waititi is Ratcatcher 1.
3: Uh, Although, does Taika, does Taika Waititi's character sort of. If that one scene cameo he has sort of epitomized for you what you were talking earlier about how the movie cannot possibly tell meaningful emotional stories about all of these characters at once?
1: Well, that's. What... Yeah, it's weird how much time they give him to do that. And it's just like, I don't feel like I got anything from it that wasn't. Her talking about how much she loves those rats. I like. Well, the that's rats. the thing.
2: I love the scene between Elba and her on the bus where they're just sharing the stories and they're riding along. And like his glances are are powerful to me. I actually think this is one of the best things I've ever seen Idris Elba in. I, I really think. I it's do been think used it's well. Idris
1: Elba. I just have uh, to yeah, say I it. was... I just think it's Idris. Idris? Yeah, I- Idris. Idris.
2: Nicole Hoth-Setter? Uh oh That's the name I can never. Uh, Idris. Idris Olba. is oh, on the started. egress.
3: Thank you for correcting Start me. practicing patches, because Nicole Hall of Center Fall is coming. I know. Yeah, it's true. true. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, no. I, I,
1: Nicole Fall of Center. Whoa. Nicole Fall of
3: Center. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm.
2: You can, you're allowed to use that on Local Men. Um, yeah, I didn't... The weird thing about this movie is how James Gunn refuses to use parallel action. Why do several things happen, and then we get the, like, two hours earlier jump back yeah, where nothing can happen at the same time i don't i don't get that move at all and it really slows down the whole thing it's although
3: so boring. sort of just adjacent to that i did really enjoy how this is the rare superhero movie that for the most part takes place in one location i use the word location broadly i mean like a, a country a place an island um there are many locations within that but uh it, it does help capture that dirty dozen flavor uh men on a mission type vibe, but they are really just in this one place moving towards a concrete goal um and not globe hopping on their mm. jet from, from one <laughs> country to another.
1: Sure. Um
3: which I really appreciated, especially how they used Panama and they play on, you know, the uh, Panama's a location, as a real world location to sort of be along with the giant soundstage in Atlanta, um their their backgrounds, but and they play into America's history. In uh, Latin America, and it's it's all sort of light, but well done. But you really do get a sense of place from using downtown, like the downtown areas in Panama, um, which is something we were talking about about on the Jungle Cruise episode last week, uh, where you do have a sort of visceral sense of place. In this movie that you didn't get from that, um, even though a lot of the movie, those nighttime beach scenes, for example, in the forest, were all shot in a massive stage in
0: Oh, really? Atlanta? Sure.
3: But yeah, but the uh, and then fucking my Best Supporting Actor nominee so far, one of them this year, has got to be Starro. I mean, he's just fucking <laughs> bringing it. I mean, I love that little guy slash big guy. Yeah. Uh, N- a real soul, soul that behind that eye. His eyes made out of water. I did not see that coming. That uh, was cool. That was, that was cool. I just, poor little Starro. Uh, he's got his little gold, his little uh, starfish shooting out of him. <laughs> um, you know, the stuff with, with Polka Dot Man's mom like that joke that fell was flat. Always... For me the first time yeah. oh, the and joke then
1: got funnier for me as it
3: went. Yeah. Oh, it went it got funnier for you?
1: Yeah. I thought it was yeah. funny I, the first time. I woman? thought it was not funny
3: the first time and then got increasingly less so and the visual of that that actor's head over Starro. I mean, I thought it should have just been Starro with the actor's head on the end of each of its legs and not just a giant <laughs> version of his mother, but you know, it's each their own. That but I did love I did love Starro. And the idea of them just, like, letting it run amok and then deciding to fight it, I thought all of that was really well handled. And Idris Elba I think really brings some heart to this character. The visual of him wearing a um, an undershirt with uh, like a raggedy pair of pants with that helmet on is really spectacular. Uh, and he is able to be weary in a way that usually I have to be in order to enjoy these movies. Like, he is just doing that work for me and selling it. And I think there's there's a lot of, like, I'm sick of this shit energy that he's working to his advantage here, and it really really did the job for me. To, to,
2: to wrap up, do you guys think, I mean, it's, it's hard not to think about this a little bit, certainly in the aftermath of the movie, but uh, we've now seen James Gunn make two Marvel movies, which always, the conversation there is, like, producer-driven movies, click in and make the movie for the mass franchise, the mega franchise and then you have James Gunn going over to DC and seemingly getting, like, carte blanche to do whatever he wants. I mean, the way that this movie bombed at the theaters this weekend, I'm just like, was this an inside job? Like, is James Gunn almost 30 million destroying dollars. DC from within? Um, I, I, I'm curious, do you see a detectable difference between, like, James Gunn, quote-unquote, off the leash at DC and, like, making movies at Marvel? Does it seem like he's more of a director than he thought he was? Or, like, what does he bring to the table as a director cuz i feel like he gets a lot of uh, he uh, he's the writer he's the creator of of Guardians of the Galaxy and here he's kind of doing the same thing but i don't know as a director do you get something different from him in this movie or do you learn have you learned something about him
0: uh i don't know if it's just me but i think he's uh gotten stronger at making specifically comic book level visuals which I'm not sure if you could think about as a different thing, but, like, Zack Snyder definitely thinks about it as a different thing to the point where he's, like, this has to be in four three because panels aren't sideways and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, like, the way that, you know, he uses, as Katie mentioned, the uh, backgrounds for titling or some of the, during the also the title sequence, the way he moves in and out of, like, semi-slow motion action, <clears throat> it's transforming from... Something that looks like it's coming from more of a, uh, graphic artist, uh, or a director who used to be a graphic artist, like a Ridley Scott or something. Like, space is much more coherent for me. Um, motion is somewhat, uh, de-emphasized than it is over, like, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I, like, even though there was a giant, you know, kaiju, everything seemed like I knew where things were going on and were able to sort of make splash page images like Harlequin floating in an eyeball with a whole bunch of rats around her. I think he's gotten better at that, Um, which I would assume is not only him growing as a person, but him being surrounded by visualists who are pushing him in that direction and him sort of being able to adapt that. I'll be interested to see what he does that isn't superhero after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, just to see what he's able to pull back over. Because, you know, Slither was good too, but it was pulling from horror movies. Now, if he were to make a Slither, I feel like it would feel like a comic book movie.
1: But seriously, what is Harley Quinn supposed to be thinking in that eyeball? About What is the, what is the, what is the moment of revelation? on her own.
2: The Joker's not, Jared Leto's not here.
0: Does mm-hmm. anyone
1: mention Me the Joker guy, in this movie at all? Up. No. Is that what it is? I don't remember anyone making. Again, I don't remember. I don't know why Joker's not in
2: this. You know what or, she does? She was thinking like that King Shark. He's just a shark man. He's oh really my just god! A how have we shark? not
3: talked about how have we not talked about Sylvester Stallone as King Shark? I mean, truly, just when you think that there is no way five minutes into this movie that any character could possibly be more compelling than Weasel, the greatest of all characters, <laughs> enter King Shark, who I, to my infinite shame and. You know, someone who, who likes to think I can identify a voice mile away did not even think that it was Sylvester Stallone. I didn't think about who it could be because I was just convinced that King Shark was a real king that they found yeah, um, yeah. and roped into the movie. I mean, it's like great casting. Uh, but, uh, man, love that character. Funny. Seeing him eat people, seeing him not eat people. Say nom nom, a joke that is always a, a line, a word, a phrase, whatever, that has always made my skin crawl. Hilarious. These are deemed
1: nom nom.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fun movie. The Suicide Squad. It's fun and violent.
3: Nothing more annoying than when I have a genuinely good time watching a superhero movie. (laughs) They've done it again.
1: Uh, The onion headline Worst Person You Know just made a great point.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Maybe I'll watch A White Lotus tonight. Go so crazy.
2: Somehow I'm yeah, listening I to that soundtrack at work these
3: days. Dave, you got that was so... that was almost too good. You have to put it in the episode. <laughs> Save it for next week. Save it for next week. I, I think that the the White Lotus theme deserves at least some of the obsessive conversation that the succession theme gets. Oh,
2: absolutely. There's a human element.
1: are trying to build a prison. That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. We're talking about The White Lotus, which means i got to watch The White Lotus. Uh, it will have finished its season by the time we talk about it next week, so everyone binge with me. Uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are.
2: Matt Patches, senior editor at Polygon. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And we have a website, fightingintheworm.com. If you're not digging up the old feeds to listen to old episodes, you can also go to fightingintheworm.com and listen to old episodes right now on your browser. Go to fightingintheworm.com.
3: I'm David Ehrlich. I'm the chief film critic at IndieWire. You can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich. You can find all of us together. Fighting in the War Room. Leave us a review. Read it at the start of the show good time uh maybe we'll hear from starro next week he'll go <laughs> is he cool like a little pigeon How does, i was does happy Star Wars floating
0: thing? and staring at the stars
3: god i feel for that little guy
0: <laughs> uh, i'm dave gonzalez you can follow me on twitter at da70 you can also listen to me on the storm a lost rewatch podcast we're up the episode across the sea and if you've seen lost you know what that episode is and you know what Patches is always really nice, because it says here on our notes, Patches website, he plugs the website, but he also produces a a podcast called Galaxy Brains, you should check it out, on your podcasting device, I don't know why I'm the one who gets, because I wrote the notes probably, I'm the one who gets to plug my my podcast, but there you go, do Galaxy Brains, thanks, you're welcome,
1: it's good, um, I'll plug my podcast. Uh, it's called Little Gold Men. It's at Vanity Fair. This week we're doing a 2001 Oscar pod, Oscar flashback with uh, Joe Reed and Chris Weil of This Had Oscar Buzz. It's going to be fun. Please listen. Can I plug uh, my
3: podcast?
0: Yeah, go yeah. for it.
2: It's this, called Fighting in the War Room. This would be the first you time, time you've ever it. done it on any podcast.
3: So I'm very excited. <laughs> listen, <laughs> we're breaking new ground here. Uh, it's a fun show. We talk about pop culture and stuff, movies mostly. Uh, a little bit of talking. some segments. I hope
2: we get some new lessoners. We'll uh, convert. Read. Oy, yeah. Oy, oy. I
1: think that's how it's going to happen. Um, Oh, boy. Uh, listen to local Men. Follow me on Twitter, Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. We're all on Twitter, F-I-T-W-R, where you can sing your version of what I guess is the White Lotus theme. Uh, or you can... Or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was...
0: In honor of Free Guy, what's cinema's most successful video game setting?
1: Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. They're trying to build a prison! They're trying to build a prison! They're trying to build a prison! So you and... Another prison stop, Another prison stop, Another They're trying to build a prison! They're
0: trying to build a prison!
1: Baby. I'm done.